Welcome to Church Hurts and the good, the bad, and the ugly about church, religion, and spirituality with a dash of recovery thrown in. If you've ever had questions about the church, maybe a bit jaded in your attitude toward religion, well, you've come to the right place. Our host, he was an honors philosophy student, ordained a Presbyterian minister, planted three churches, taught at a prestigious university, but now, now he's just an aging curmudgeon who never quits asking the question why. The host of Church Hurts and Dr. John Bash. Children change the matrix. Did you ever notice this? You were in, you were in an argument with your husband and it's getting heated. He's being stubborn, won't get your point, keep saying the same things over and over, about to notch it up one more level on the intensity scale. You hear the unmistakable sound of children's feet approaching. You take a deep breath as you push back your hair and wipe the tears from the corner of your eyes. Children change the matrix. Having started three churches, I am well aware that the children-youth dynamic is critical for a balanced church to grow. Young families who may have ignored God for years start asking about the impact this might have on their children. Do they really want their own offspring to grow up with no knowledge of the Bible, no understanding of Christian values, and no connection to the heritage which drove the progress of Western civilization in medicine, science, and the arts? What church should we try out, dear? She asks her husband. I don't know if I can do that church thing again, he says. Can we put it off a month or so? The Steelers are undefeated, and I don't want to miss the impact on my fantasy football team today. With some movement of the, the divine in a strange and mysterious way, a family may end up back in church, trying that casual, the mom and dad nav navigate the maze and signs to the children's wing, Smaller churches apologizing for not having a program just yet. Everything's awkward and the service hasn't even started. Will your children or grandchildren know anything about the church you avoid due to your past pain and disappointment? Could kids be an avenue to awakening a deeper desire down in you than any building with walls could contain? Today, we have an expert in kids and church. She sings like an angel prays like a warrior, is the friend everyone wants, and is just real enough to sneak into church hurts and for the next few moments. Singer, songwriter, Jana Alira, welcome. Thank you, John, for that 
that intro. Thank you for having me. And that was quite an intro. Oh, you're always affirming. I'm just saying amen. You were one of my favorite worship leaders years ago, but you decided to pour your whole life into doing Christian music for children. Why? Well, I, I honestly must tell you that it was a calling. You know, and I don't use that word lightly. I really don't, because I I loved leading worship for grownups, and I had a little bit of experience with, with kids. I was a teacher for a time, but I was a very bad teacher. Uh, it was not my calling, <laughs> but I loved the kids, and I had some experience working with another children's artist um, named Mary Rice Hopkins, doing like choreography and um, background vocals. But when I was asked to write a children's song for a particular event at our church, it just absolutely, it was like a hand in a glove. It took me five minutes to write the song. I felt passionate about it. The kids responded. Um, and it, it was really, it was a calling. And then, you know, my husband, Ron, is a producer. And when he started adding all his genius to just the production to make it sound magical, it was really you know, the Lord just did it. And who would have known that 25 years later, we're still, you know, ministering to children. I, I really didn't know what I was getting into, John, when I when we started. I knew worship was important, and I knew children were important. But he kind of taught me uh, along the way. You know, um, Janet, <laughs> Church Hurts and we're, we're uniquely aware that many people had church experiences when growing up which seemed really irrelevant and boring and hypocritical, but you had a little bit different experience, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, I was not a church kid, so I don't have any scars from, you know, going to something that I didn't enjoy as a kid. I just didn't have much reference for it. We we went several times a year, maybe at church or, or Christmas or Easter or something, but it was when I was in high school that I was introduced to Jesus through Young Life. And my very first church was um, Willow Creek Community Church, which you're very familiar with, John. And so I was just getting, I was so new to the whole church scene. It was just, to me, I, I guess parachurch was really my first church, Young Life, and then the youth part of, of Willow Creek, which was then called Sun City. Um, that was my church. And it was just excited youth who who loved the Lord. And I mean, I was radically changed from the inside out when I met Jesus. And it wasn't until years later, many years later, really, that I got involved in in church. You know, I went to Willow Creek on Sundays, um, but it wasn't until years later that I really learned a lot more about, about what it meant to be in, in the institution of the church, you know, and in its many forms. Our our children's ministry, interestingly, has led us into every denomination you could imagine, John. I mean, we have mm -hmm. sung for Catholic, Lutheran, Assemblies of God, Seventh-day Adventists. I mean, because we Jesus is just the, the, the common denominator. And I've met wonderful, wonderful people, and we've fellowshiped um, in all these different churches. Um, but my first experience with Jesus was just so positive that I couldn't imagine there being anything bad about the church. I was just starry-eyed and filled with wonder. Just for the fun of it, um, tell me who Dave Holmbo was, because that was a name most people don't know, 
And yet you were kind of young when this guy was important in what you saw about church, wasn't he? Yeah, he was because I was, uh, that was when I was going to Willow Creek and um, Dave was the music guy. And what they were doing at Willow Creek was, was so unique, I think, for its time. They were doing contemporary music and it was so enjoyable and beautiful and I was just really, I had gone to church with a couple friends and, you know, funerals and things like that. And my, my imagination of ch church music was choirs and hymns I didn't know and, and things like that. And so at Willow Creek, it was songs you knew on the radio and it was, it was beautifully done and um, cool. And Dave Hombo was the cool guy who was arranging it all. So I kind of looked at. Dave was so creative, one of the earliest people to say, I want church to be a place I want, I want to enjoy bringing my friends to. I want them to really hear a message instead of just get all this ritual. So you kind of had that good experience. I want to just rush ahead. You know, we had James Ward on here um, on Church Hurts and one of the earliest shows talking about the worship wars. And so I'm going to let you get off the hook on that one because I know, but just give me a few sentences. That was hard. What, how'd you experience that? I watched that episode with James Ward and I was, I was really interested in that. And, um, I was definitely on the outskirts of, of really being involved in that worship wars kind of a thing, but I definitely observed it. And I you know, really, it just grieved my heart because what, what we were doing at our church was, um, so now, you know, fast forward many years, my experience uh, at Willow Creek, and I'm involved in a mega church in Southern California. And I was involved in the college ministry, which was really a church within a church. I didn't have much involvement in the, the big church. But so our little college ministry started this worship night that we called Praise and Worship. And you came to it once, John, when it was outside under the stars. And it just, it kept growing and growing and growing because it was so organic and sweet and we just, none of us were getting paid. We just loved doing this. And we just spent an hour to two hours just worshiping the Lord and sometimes praying. That's it. There was no no programming. And hundreds of people started coming to this thing. So um, my experience with a worship leader was really that. And then every once in a while later on, I would maybe be invited in to speak somewhere and do a, a song and and that's when I would be um, kind of on the stage at the, the big churches where it felt so tense and pressured and I heard these stories of you know really good worship leaders who were just let go because they were too old or they weren't cool enough and it had really started this whole vibey you had to be cool you had to be young you had to be really good a musician to lead people in worship. And my experience was so kind of different than that, that it, it just really grieved my heart. It really did. Cause I thought, you know, worship is when we turn our eyes to Jesus, to the living God, and we're supposed to vanish on the stage. I mean, ideally, I remember seeing some churches where the choir loft was behind all the people. And I thought that's genius because then our focus is all on Christ. And somehow we turned that around and it became so, look at me, look at me, look at me, you know? And I, I just feel like whenever we do that, and 
you know, we all have a little bit of guilt in this because I think it's very difficult to get on the stage and not think about yourself to some extent, you know. Um, you're worried about doing things right. You want to give the Lord your best. You want it to sound good. I mean, there is a mix of that, but the ultimate goal of worship is to lead people to look past you to God. And I think that whole scene where it just became so mixed up with um, labels and, and, you know, professional and looking so cool and you just had to be cool. I just think it did a lot of damage, to be honest. It, it was painful. And certainly the older generation that felt like they were betrayed because they didn't understand this young music anyway. You know, it was like it wasn't their style anymore. What happened to their church? So, but now, so you get into a vibrant, real relationship with Christ. I mean, it was a serious thing in your life. You end up getting married to a man who was a pastor in a mega church and very successful. Uh, I think your own music ministry was thriving and, and yet you had a secret that you had to deal with. Would you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, I think we've talked about this before, John, that um, unless you really know how broken you are, you can't understand grace. And I knew how broken I was from the time that I was 16 till about 28 years old, I was bulimic. And that is usually a very hidden um, addiction. It's, I, I see a sisterhood between all addictions. They're all disordered desires. Mm -hmm. And it was very hidden and I was super ashamed of it. And, and, and there were seasons where I would be, I thought I was healed. And um, it would be a little bit situational, you know, where when I was living with people, you know, it wouldn't kind of be out of control. But then there'd be seasons where I'd be alone a lot. And and it just was, it, I don't even know how to put it into words. And it's been so long for me now since being healed from that, that it's hard to imagine the amount of time I wasted, the amount of, um, I mean, food that I wasted. <laughs> the the guilt the shame that was all mixed up with me wanting to follow jesus with all my heart and and grow in him and just the back and forth of oh why do i keep doing this and it, and it really wasn't until i was 28 years old and i attended a, a workshop by a guy named neil anderson and i was really just going as a leader i wasn't going for my own addiction i was going as a church leader um, and in that seminar that was several days to a week long, um, he was teaching on really just the spiritual warfare and the spiritual roots of, of many addictions and how Satan works in our mind. And I just had never, being a young Christian, I didn't even really, I thought the devil was fake. I just didn't, there was a giant holes in my theology, right? And in my understanding, I just didn't know how he worked. And when that light went on. For me, it doesn't always work this way. I was set free. I knew it. It was it was like Satan's mask came off and I recognized him in that circular thought pattern and you know the lies, the deception and then the shame and the guilt and the accusation. I'm like, "Oh my gosh. I never saw it this way. I was set free." And I in that amazing I drove the way. home that day. I was like, isn't it amazing the way, and pick, I want to pick up with you drove home that day, but 
the way any addiction can get us so conflicted inside because it's not us. And here on the one hand, you're leading people in worship. You're a leader in the church. People are looking at you, you know, a pastor's wife, the whole bit. And yet that other side was real, but it, it like it was, it wasn't you. And you had to resolve that just like people do with every other addiction, right? I drove home and I, I wrote in my head, I started writing this song that was very much related to John 8, you know, the truth will set you free. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll know the truth and it will set you free because it was the truth that set me free. The truth of who I am, the truth of how the enemy works, the truth of Christ's victory over evil, the truth. And I mean, I felt like uh, someone who'd been set free from jail. I could think for my, I could think, I could read the word, I could pray without that constant war going on in my head. It was it's like I have my life. I mean, he set me free. So I wrote this song called Free Indeed. And then it was just an avalanche. of. Let, so that let, was really at the hear, beginning. Let's, of, let's just hear, hear that for a second. We, can we hear Free Indeed? I haven't played this in a while. If you hear my words And I abide in you You're my disciple you're my disciple you will know the truth and the truth will set you free free indeed remember this yeah i'm well, the son well. of the holy one i defeated satan's oh you know what do you hear my guitar yeah everything's been perfect but i'm gonna stop you anyway because so here you are you're okay. singing You've dealt with this eating disorder issue. You feel the power of God. You start making babies. So you're this happy mom and pastor's wife and life just was good. And everything's been great since then, right? <laughs> well, you know, you did put that word agony in there. And, yeah. and although I, I don't really like that word agony because... God has been so good to me, you know, in the midst of trial. But my favorite life verse is John 16, 33, that says in where Jesus says, I tell you these words so that in me you will have peace. In this life you will have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. And so I sure had, I've had plenty of trouble. Tell me about the trouble. <laughs> so the has, trouble that hits. Go ahead. You're getting ready to trouble, have baby number two. The trouble that hits... Right. So the trouble that hits um, is that in this perfect world, which actually a lot of people did say you have the perfect life, um, there were there were inklings all along that that my then husband um, was kind of disconnected, you know, but I never thought it was anything that would that that would end. You know, I just thought this, this is something that we got to work on. But as life was perfect and I was pregnant with our second daughter, it all crashed in when um, he came in one night and said, I don't love you anymore. I, I've never loved you. And I, I don't want this, any of this anymore. And it was over. You know, there was nothing any of us could do to, to change his mind. It shocked me. It shocked, it shocked all those college students who looked up to him like, you know, 
they admired him so much. It was disaster. It was drama. It was scary. It was painful, embarrassing. Um, it was a disaster. It really was. And um, in the midst of it all, though, the Lord reminded me of his presence and who I really am. Because, you know, we can be so much of that stuff, right? We can think this is me, this house, my life, my job, my ministry, my my relationships, my whatever. And when all of that kind of goes away, your dog, your your stuff, your all the things that give you comfort and which it kind of did for me, I really had to say, who am I? Who is Jana? You bet. You, know? you bet. And then, and those are... and then I can skip the, you know, the good stuff. I mean, you end up, you know, falling in love with your drummer and marrying this amazing man who just adores you and you keep being the mom and doing family and now everything's perfect again until a turn came kind of literally and i i got a phone call and it was one of those phone calls that basically said jana's in the hospital and when you're a pastor, you don't like getting those phone calls. Mm. And I, I just heard enough to know going to see you in the hospital, I had nothing but tears in my eyes all the way down. What had happened to put you in the hospital? The worst day of my life. <laughs> um, the day that every parent dreads, the day that every mom has nightmares about and you're never prepared for, right? You just can't be. I was on my way to go sing at um, a church and it was just a beautiful sunny day. We were involved in a car accident. And at the time I had three daughters and uh, my middle daughter uh, was instantly killed in that car accident. She had just turned four. And it was such a swirl of, is this really happening? I mean, it really, I, at first I just didn't know if it was really happening. And then when I realized this is not a nightmare, I can't wake up from this. It, you know, I, I can barely find the words to, to convey how frightening and yet how comforting God was in the middle of that, the worst, the worst thing that could be happening. He was so present in so many ways, in so many people, in, you know, your title church hurts and I'm really glad you have the word and because when the church does what it's supposed to do you know when we are when we bear each other's burdens and when we pray for each other and when we um are there for one another and you know all those other good things that make church so beautiful taking communion and remembering jesus and remembering that we are we're battle buddies we're in a war here you know against not flesh and blood but angels and principalities and demons and you know we're supposed to be battle buddies and we stop warring with each other when when you go through a crisis i really feel like that's when you see the best of the body of christ because i really believe i wouldn't i wouldn't be here i wouldn't have the ministry that continued after that um if it were not for the beautiful beautiful and i'm gonna get emotional the body of christ the church the real church and they were from everywhere. It wasn't just my church, like, you know, friends and, and Christians from different places in the world um, were praying for me. I just know it. 
And I, I believe I see our ministry that has continued and the ministry to these children as a continuation of their prayers, their faithfulness, Linny's legacy, you know. Um, so the worst day has included some of the richest blessings of my life. When we were talking about doing the show, I said, you know, I'm amazed I didn't remember to call you when my son got paralyzed because the only people I could talk to were people who had lost children or people who had paralyzed children. And it just reminded me, oh, but I have my son. And, and you, the ministry you've had because of that, the ministry you've had because of your bulimia, the ministry you've had because of dealing with unfaithfulness, the reason I wanted to have you here was because from the outside, Jenna, you can look so perfect and you are such a, a wonderful friend and such a model. But we talked about children. Reality is you have a ministry to adults because of your depth. I mean, you're really a deep person and much deeper theologian than you admit being because you've studied all your life. You've worked at your spirituality. Talk to me about that. What's that mean to work at your spirituality? Well, I, you glitched for a second there, but I think I caught what you said. Um, I just have been hungry to know God, you know, and um, I think you and I share that in that loss because I had, you know, years and years of walking with the Lord and, and there, there were other, there were other tragedies as well. I lost a best friend in, in high school who committed suicide and we were brand new Christians together and there've been some other like illness things and I lost my sister and there've been some other things that, um, but I, but walking with Jesus and, and somewhere along the line, I got the really good advice to read the word, you know, and when you're in the word and you realize what a treasure it is and how he comforts and he speaks and what would we do without what Jesus has given us? Right. And we have this treasure I really believe that because my roots were down there and um, I had weathered a few storms already and just clung on, you know, the, the sign in sign language for trust is this. And I feel like I had been through some of these already that I was just doing this when Lenny passed away. I was kind of like, if you're not who you say you are, I can't do this, right. you know, almost out of desperation. I clung with all of my heart, kind of like when you, when it happened to your son, you clung to God. And because if we don't have him, people said, didn't people often ask me, didn't you get mad at God? Didn't, weren't you angry? And I said, you know, I wasn't, I was angry at myself for a time, but I feel like people prayed, prayed me out of that because the shouldas and the couldas and the woulds of life don't do anything. Yep. But, but I just knew that if God isn't who he is, I, there's, there's really no hope, but in him, there is so much hope. He overcomes the world. So Jana, we're going to have to wrap up, unfortunately, but before we go, would you pick up your guitar again and give us a song that you like to play with kids? Why do kids like you so much? Because you really, I mean, they do. I mean, it's just to see kids in front of you in a guitar is to see joy. And people need to go to JanaAlira.com because you can see a video of these kids all over the world participating. 
um, in it. Can we have one? Choose what's what's your favorite one to see them do? I'm starting to want to sing, but okay, well, I can't sing. And for your for your listeners, all of our music is on YouTube, and actually, um, you know, kids watch that from all over the world. And um, as a big surprise to me. God opened up those doors like all over the place. And one of my favorite moments in ministry with children, um, I don't know why they like me. I think it's, I think I have a childlike faith. I really do. I, I, I think that's maybe a gift. And I believe these simple yet very profound truths about God with all of my heart. And so I think it's a combination of just, I really mean what I'm singing. I really like kids. I mean, not everybody can say that, but I love them. They make me happy. They make me laugh. I love their um, innocence. Um, and and I think Ron makes our song sound really good. But this song I'm going to share with you, I this is the first song that I wrote after my daughter passed away. And it took a little time, but it happened in a moment and I pulled the van over on a rainy day and I realized this was what I wanted I wanted to put into a song for kids um, and it's called rain or pour and it, it's really happy like bump, 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 bump. you know when they're singing it, it's got kind of that um, uh, what is that what is that song uh, you can't hurry love that kind of a feel uh, Phil Collins but I'm gonna play it for you this way whether it rains or whether it pours wherever i go i will trust you lord in the light of day or in the dark of night i will trust you lord with all my life for my hope is where you are for my hope is where you are It's been a while <laughs> For my hope is where you are Jesus For my hope is where you are Whether it rains Or whether it pours Wherever I go I will trust you, Lord, in the light of day or in the dark of night. I will trust you, Lord, with all my life. I will trust you, Lord, with all my life. Oh, I will trust you, Lord, with all my life. Sorry yeah. for the clams. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to kind of sing us out. But uh, I, uh, I wanted Jana here today because I can't tell her story without ending up crying. It's just so sad. It's so unjust. Some of those things which Jana has talked about here shouldn't have happened to a woman like this. I've seen people try to give her credit. Jana, you're so strong. Jana, you are such an example. Jana, I wish I could be like you. I wish I could be as gifted, as talented, as positive as you, Jana. If you ever meet Jana in person, you can get into the line that wants to affirm her or the shorter line that tells her husband, Ron, how lucky he is. 
from our show today, I hope you know what you will hear back. And it's not going to be about Jana. Then it's not going to be about Ron. Jana sold out to Jesus a long time ago. She will tell you about her Savior, who suffered far more than she ever thought about. Jana will talk to you about a refiner's fire. She will talk about the reality of evil and the greater truth of a loving God who's already written the last chapter. Somewhere in Jana's journey, she heard the words of Jesus, let the little children come unto me, Matthew 19. Most of you may have heard that quote, but do you know the context? Jesus was talking about marriage, sex, and adultery. And then these people show up with kids wanting Jesus to pray over them. How awkward is this? The disciples, you know, Matthew, John, James, Andrew, all those names which adorn the fronts of churches with saint in front of them. Those guys stop these people. They rebuke them and their children from interrupting their wise leader. Hold the phone, said Jesus. What are you doing? Let the little children come unto me. But he didn't stop there. He said, don't hinder them in case it was ambiguous what he was saying. And then Jesus tells us why. He doesn't always do that. God, God doesn't explain himself about many issues which we call mysteries, which will one day be revealed. But this time, he did. Why? Why let the children go to Jesus? For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Seriously, children? They don't even know how to feed themselves or make money or put their shoes on right. They're annoying, unsophisticated, frustrating, four-legged creatures who never stop top talking and running and laughing. Yes, said Jesus, those ones. And unless you become like them, you will never get into my kingdom. And that is undoubtedly worth a thought. Her church hurts in. This is John Bash. Enjoy God today, won't you? Jenna, play us out a little bit, will you? Day by day, I'm learning to love you. Day by day, I'm learning to serve you. You take my hand and never walk away. As you change my heart Day by day I'm learning to love you Day by day I'm learning to serve you You take our hands And never walk away As you change our hearts Day by day, we're learning to love you day by day. We're learning to serve you day by day. We love you, Lord, day by day. Well, that was worth a thought for sure. And brings us to the end of this edition of Church Hurts and...
Next week, it's rumored we'll be walking on the edge of controversy, stirring the pot of denial, and finding movement of the divine. Our host, Dr. John Bash, is the Shepherd with Standing Stone, a nonprofit ministry committed to caring for pastors and Christian leaders at risk of leaving the ministry prematurely. Come visit us at churchhurtsand.org. Tell us your story while you're there. Until then, remember, Church Hurts isn't the end of the story. Now go into the end. Enjoy God today, won't you?